podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 43 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Paddy. Celtic recorded their third 2-0 win in a row with a comfortable win over St Johnson at Celtic Park on Saturday thanks to goals from summer signings Georgios Giacomakis and Joseph Juranovic. Jota added to his champion collection with another Man of the Match performance and despite what he says, we're sure Andrew will be pleased with another clean sheet too. Miff, good to have you back. How did you feel about Saturday's result and performance? Hello Tino, hello listeners, hello Paddy. Um... Performance, probably they done enough. Um, a, a kind of standard Celtic Park victory, which uh, always goes down well. Um, overall, just really happy with the, the, the progress that the team and the squad seem to be making. There's more options for Ange as well coming off the bench and you can feel that there's a bit more cohesion and a bit more strength, a bit more depth. So, aye, all, 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 seems, all seems good and positive to me. It's just really a case of keeping that up and how long we can sustain that for. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that the uh, the kind of indifferent forum did coincide with a period that McGregor was out of the team. I think it's very obvious to me all the good things that we do seem to come through him. And um, now that he's back and he's fit, um, we, we really see that, that, that kind of play through the midfield development. So, no, for me, good kind of standard performance and delighted for big... Jack and Marcus to get his goal. Yeah, definitely. Paddy, what about yourself? It could have been a tricky one against the team that won both domestic cups last season, but we got the job done. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely could have been a tricky one, Tino. Um, I think that the St. Johnson are very good at kind of just keeping their shape. Um, and that's kind of what we faced uh, at the weekend there. There wasn't too much from them um, coming forward with the ball, not much of a threat. I think they're very good at going and getting the goal that they need. Um, but yeah, there, there wasn't enough for them to do that um, against us. And I thought that, again, one of those games where, you know, the, the back three of Hart, uh, Carter Vickers and um, Starfelt has really stood out for me. Mm-hmm. Just the way that they've kind of just dictated the play and, and everything has kind of stemmed from them starting their attacks uh, again on Saturday. Um, but nothing really getting over the top, nothing getting in behind them as well, which is refreshing to see. There's a lot of, lot of communication between the three as well. Um, also found it very interesting, you know, we've got quite a big game coming up on Wednesday. He seems to be trusting that if we are in the driving seat, he wants to try and get the players playing as long as he can. I think we made our first sub run about the, the hour mark and then the other two came in the 80th minute. So it's just showing you the fitness levels of the team as mm-hmm. well. It's uh, He's shown a lot of confidence and just kind of keeping, you know, he's brought, he made two changes in Saturday, obviously, but he's, he's shown com- commitment towards the players that are playing week in, week out and, you know, thriving off those two games a week instead of being tired and worried about them. Yeah, and if you're ever looking for an indication of the fitness levels, the fact that Tom Rogic, who we'll get to in a wee minute, the fact that he's completing 90 minutes more often than not tells you a lot about what they're doing behind the scenes and the, the very various works that are going on to the, the fitness levels of the players. Um, interesting as well, Paddy, you said that, you know, St. Johnson will usually, you know, maybe steal a goal here and there and, and sit back and defend. The stats tell you that Celtic had 79% possession to their 21 and they had zero Zero shots on target. So somebody somewhere is definitely doing their job right. Um, notable comment is the fact that it was a first start for Jack Marcus and his first goal for the club. Matt, how do you think he done overall? I think he's just, it was a point you guys made on the, the post-match. He has just something different. Um, something that's been needed, I think, for, for a while. Um, 
you know, the Ajeti experiment, if you want to call it that, quite clearly hasn't worked. And, and the fact that he finds himself, you know, quite far down the pecking order after, Giacomacchus probably tells you everything you need to know. So for me, it, it's just great that the, the squad has that, that depth and that option to it. Um, I thought he'd done well, put himself about, and, and the finish is very tidy, very tidy considering them. Um, he got a, a Ralston special fired right at his knees. <laughs> he certainly <laughs> did. Uh, I it, it was a pacey ball, but I'd like to think it was it was all well meant from <laughs> Tony. But, but and to, from to be fair, Jack he hits most of his crosses at that pace, but normally they're a lot higher than that. <laughs> We'd mentioned that, so as you say, Matthew done the post match, myself and James and Tony Ralston had a couple of. Uh, rangefinders, if you want to call them. <laughs> 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 a <sight> of. <laughs> couple, of, uh, t- couple of test crosses before the one they counted. So he fired two. Might have hit you. I know you sit behind those goals. So he fired two <laughs> high and wide. But the third one, the one that really counts, he's found the, the side volley of Giacomacchus. Well, and, and that's the most important thing. You know, Ralston seems to have this excellent habit of making a telling positive contribution, despite maybe other areas of his game being a bit rough um, around the edges so I don't think we can have any complaints with Ralston I think Ralston's actually becoming a wee bit of an enforcer within the team as well he seems to be very physical and very quick to stand up for his teammates uh-huh. which is something that I know again on the post-match you guys touched on and felt was lacking I see Ralston as somebody that is, is a bit of an aggressor in the team and a team that's probably maybe lacking that, that bit, bit of an edge to it well certainly before Big Carter Vickers came um, he is a unit he is an absolute <laughs> yes. Um So, no, I'd, listen, Ralston, for for me, he's done he's done well for the goal, albeit that I think um, Giacomacchus has managed to turn it into a, a, a good cross. Um, but the, I think Ralston is a case in point. The, the, the point I made, um, if I can, you can indulge me and get off on a slight tangent, Tino, I know you like when I do that. <laughs> yeah, go on. I think there was eight players that are new at the club in the starting lineup. Uh and Ralston effectively is a new player at the club in the sense that he is not, a, he has never been a regular first team player. Yeah. yeah, he and just very quickly, he and Montgomery, I think, started two games between them last season. So it tells you, know, you that they might as well be new players. So continue with that, your mythologue. That, uh, yes, yes. So that that to me says it just makes the madness, of the the kind of fervor around the early season stuff even more mental. Is that there's eight, you know, eight new guys in the team. They need, they need to gel. They need yeah. to get used to the manager. And and you touched on an excellent point, Paddy, about fitness. Mm. I think fitness is a huge amount to do it because Andrew's very quick to say these guys aren't as fit as I need them to be. Mm-hmm. And I think back to the the Dundee United performance and it it lacked cohesion. Yeah. It was um, you know, a bit stop start. And again, I think we we kind of faded almost a bit as well. We, we looked a wee bit tired. Now, I, I think it just looked. It, it just looks a whole lot better. And I know it's easy to say that after four wins in the trot, three clean sheets in the trot, but I think it is as a result of the work that's been going on. I think just we need to place our trust in Ange and I think we're seeing the benefits of that now. Yeah, yeah you're, definitely seeing, um, you're definitely seeing the results of it, 100%. I think uh, given, given last season, um, there were certain games where we were expecting, you know, the result to be taken care of itself, you know, at home, albeit no crowd, we, we, we take that... Uh, we take that into consideration but a lot of the time we were quite sluggish last yep. season and a yep. lot of games very slow moving the ball we did see glimpses of that at the start of the season albeit we get the two big results um, in the league at home but the game against Dundee United I think is a, a, a good marker and just where things were that cohesion you're talking about if they're talking about um, your man that's come in for the 
uh, sports science job. He's, he's sang his praises already. I can't remember his name there. Anton Sorry. McElhone, something like that. Yeah, he sang his praise already. So for me, that's a that's a huge marker and where we're heading. So yep. we're not even fully there yet, but we're, you know we're, we're we're looking a lot sharper. We're lasting longer than seventy minutes, and that kind of goes to show when you talk to about someone like Big Tam being able to last ninety minutes as well. And again, you talk about it being new new players and getting Rogic playing 90 minutes with the influence that he has in the team you know you just watch him play he's just a joy to watch when he's when he's fit he's at it and that again it adds another dimension to the squad I, I still I don't know if I'm maybe thinking back to a few weeks ago rather than what's in front of me now and what I'm seeing now but I still feel we only need one of Turnbull and Rogic that's just a personal opinion yeah I agree but at the same time, you, you know, you're more li- likely to create something with both of them in the team, let's be honest, because it, the both of them can produce that, that moment of magic. Yeah, I've mentioned that a few times that I felt the Rodgers and Turnbull thing didn't work. And obviously Ange's has rolled out a couple of times in, in recent games to good effect. Um, Rodgers in particular, as I mentioned, I want to touch on him just for a spell here. So he has quickly become the 90 minute man. You know, Ange clearly trusts him, he knows the guy and he, and he wants him to be a a pivotal part of what we're doing. Uh, the Council Zidane, I think you, you like yes. to, to label them with. Yes. Um, but this is a guy who was around about 12 months ago, very, very nearly off to Qatar to effectively a football retirement ground, you know, yeah. pick up a big salary and, and, and play at a lower level. Um, and he's fast become a, a first pick. How important, Paddy, do you think he is to the team at this moment in time? I do think he's vital to the team just on, you know, who we've got personnel-wise just now. I do think other players can come in and challenge him though. Um, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's done, been a good servant to the club. One of the things I would say is we've got to remember though, we're talking about a guy that's only 28 and he's coming up on 29 in December. And if you're considering moving to somewhere in Qatar, that speaks more on your level, not the club's level or not where you've been played. That speaks more about your commitment, your determination. And I'm wondering if he's maybe starting to turn the corner on that though. Just on that point, I would say that was more the Lennon factor. I think absolutely of all the players in the squad that... um, Rogic was not a Lennon man, even though he, even though he was signed by him, I, I I just think he was not that there was clearly a clash between both of them in but my I, opinion. Having said that, though, even in Rogers last season, he wasn't a definite starter in the team. He was kind of in and out of the, the the team on that, and I know what you mean. He definitely isn't a Lennon man. I think um, you know there was a, a point where he started playing after the mo- the move to Qatar fell through, and actually we kind of thought our season was starting to get saved a bit, and then we quickly realised. No, it's not working because the system he was playing in was shocking as well. And you can understand someone down in tools with a coach, but at the end of the day, they're paid enough money. They should be they yeah. should be showing up and, and putting everything into it. I mean, he scored in the San Siro last year, didn't he, amongst some other yeah. kind of flashpoints and different things. But yeah, certainly the the consistency across the year wasn't there. And I actually think, like many players, you know, there's other guys, talented guys that didn't really perform last year. And I think the Lennon factor is a huge factor in addition to everything else that was going on. And I wonder if Rodic, he certainly considered the move. It sounded like he, you know, he took a long time to make his, his call there. And over the piece, he's deemed the right move for him to be staying at Celtic. And he's been proven right at the moment. Absolutely. One of the things I, I, I'm happy to see that he's getting better. I still think there's more to come from him. That's all I'm saying in the sense that I think he can give you more in bigger games. Sometimes I find that he can be a bit too quiet. Um, I looked at the movement between him and Turnbull against Fernandes Varos last week and a lot of the time it was very easy. A lot of 
teams that do their homework against us will allow us to bring the ball out for the back and we get shut down very easy. The channels towards our two, our two midfielders was Tumble and uh, Roger last week and it was getting closed off very quickly. Tam wasn't doing a lot of movement and nor was Tumble on that matter as well. You get away with it in the Scottish Premier League, I think, but you don't get away with that in Europe. And I'm not saying Europe's are, are like where we, we're aiming for this season. What I'm saying is, is that I still think there's maybe one more player that could come in to both of those positions and, and push these guys just that wee bit more because we know what Tam's capable of. I'm still hoping where there's more to see if he tumble as well, mm-hmm. but we know what Tam's capable of on that. And I just still think that they, they two guys, I don't want them getting comfortable. I think they need to be pushed more. Like everybody, you know, we, we hark on about the, the James Forrest factor and when Paddy Roberts pushed him, and that's a very obvious example now, but you just get that extra level out of everyone. So, yeah. you know, if you're in a team and if there's, you know, if you're starting 11 picks itself every week by default, i.e. you don't have the, the backup, then people do get complacent knowing that, oh, do you know what, I could have a five out of 10 the day and start the very next week. So mm. that's that's always going to be a good thing. And I think there's definitely, Celtic have got a really solid 14, 15 just now, I think, but that's not enough to ensure this two people for every position. Just on that point, where is Forrest? Oh, we're here in November now, him and Julian, November. That's yeah. the last I heard. The next international break. Is he to Dubai? Maybe. But it's this nondescript injury before us. You know, you yeah. know what it is with Julian and the knee and different things before us. It's just a bit, he's unavailable just now. It's a wee bit concerning, isn't it? He's had, he's had these niggles at the start of his career, then played a lot of football and now it's come back up at this Some, stage. Something's, I don't know, something's not right. It's very quiet. Celtic keep things very quiet though. I mean, we obviously we only heard recently about Karamoko going in for another operation. Just, for one, aye, yeah. Only because his own Instagram Absol- tells you that. Absolutely. Oh. Um, maybe a wee bit more to the fans, but then kind of gives away. You don't, you don't want every club knowing your business, I suppose. I get that as well. Um, yeah. There's that element of it, but Hopefully that's another positive thing as well. You've got two big players coming back into the squad in the next few weeks because we're, we're not far from November now. And I just think, as I've said last week in the, on the show, we're coming into really, really busy, hard times to play football. The weather's changing. You want players that kind of know what it's all about to kind of, you know, cope with what they're up against. And that rotation is going to help us. Yeah, so speaking of the rotation, obviously, as mentioned, Jack Amakis got that first start which we're all pleased with. Great for him to get his goal. But what it obviously does is it, it pushes Kyogo out wide, which everyone can see he's not as effective out there. He gets nullified to an extent. How do you feel about that moving forward? Enough? Obviously, we want you know you want to see goal scorers playing games, but yep. it's a way that Ange is currently using to fudge the two of them in the team. It's not quite getting the best out of Kyogo, though, is it? No, and I think it would be great um, to see Kyogo and Giamakis as a partnership. Mm-hmm. But, the way that modern football is, I don't really think you're going to get that. Mm-hmm. I think the dynamic between both of them would be really well suited to that. Um, but, you know, listen, that, it is what it is. Andrew's got his way of playing and he's, he's not got to change. We, we know that. So, um, I'm, I'm not a fan of Koyogo being moved out wide. I would seek to avoid that under any circumstance. Yeah, I think so as well. You actually see in, in his body language to an extent, he's a great team player, Kyogo, but he just doesn't look as happy out there. No, he, he thrives on goals and runs. You can see just ever so slightly, but I, again, Kyogo's just effective, just being on the park, he's going to worry yeah. teams, but his movement through the middle in particular, I mean, the amount of times he doesn't get the ball and the movement that yes. he's made is is phenomenal. I mean, you're like, oh man, it's just a joy. It's just a joy to watch him. Mm-hmm. I was going to say exactly those words. I think the amount of times he looks so frustrated sometimes when he sees the I, pass. I, I've noticed that, that actually in, in more recent games, yeah. he seems to have become more visibly frustrated yeah. with the lack of getting the ball, particularly like Turnbull. 
the, hand, not, the hands are going to pump. It's not quick enough. Turnbull. It's just not rolling quick enough. There's a hesitancy with Turnbull that I've kind of picked up on quite a lot lately. Um, for me, I, I mentioned to the boys last week, I wouldn't mind to see them just experiment with maybe someone like Johnson going into that wee position and see if he could release it a bit quicker. I don't think you're getting that with the two we've got just now. But definitely I would have Kyogo up front instead of out in don't the don't know wing. what Ange's been feeding Mikey but I think he's been Aye. feeding him raw meat man did you, did you see him coming <laughs> on the park he's like, he's like a man possessed yeah he's looking good oh it's brilliant it's great Paddy great. Paddy mentioned I think I was on last, last week's show Paddy about that mm. uh, potential of Mikey Johnson being in the 10 and having that creative option to maybe find those passes that um, Kyogo can benefit from and in true uh, podcast TF style I passed that off as my own knowledge the very next uh, post-match reaction <laughs> uh, Paddy was furious but I'm, I'm thinking maybe Mikey can do a job in the 10 Oh, uh, I phoned him right after it yeah. <laughs> but I think he can and he under it, the bus there, uh, as you say if he's come in the last I think it's three games now I think he's really chapping the door for mm-hmm. a start whether he gets it against Hibs or Levy at the weekend but he's not far away at all I think as well but I don't want to keep harking on about, about Lennon but um, the, there was obviously that very visible bust up at, at, at St Johnson yeah Albeit that at the time I kind of understood where Lennon was coming from for the point of view if you're injured we were making this up but anyway not to troll over all ground Johnston seems to have had some sort of assurance or feels confident in how he's been managed. That's how it appears to me. Yeah. And I think that's what he needs. I think he felt that under Rodgers and mm-hmm. he did get performances, albeit he was a lot slighter then and he was a lot younger, lacked experience. He's kind of had that experience now, even though it's been stop-start. He's had that experience. I hear loads of guys that just don't rate him and yeah, I don't same. get it. Uh-huh. I, I don't. I, I, I see him and I think... Guys, guys are called that naturally talented footballer. Surely you just want to hone him into some way, a bit like we did with Forrest over time. Yeah. Hone him into somebody that produces on a more consistent basis because what he can do with the ball, the the, the skill that he's got, I think absolutely he's, he's worth he's worth persevering with. I think he's a cracking player. People lose patience. People lose patience, but especially a player that's coming back. You're hoping to get a run of games from him and then he was falling and becoming, uh, he was falling, uh, falling back with injuries. It's happened to him too, too much in his career and it's a real shame for the guy. Mm-hmm. He's still there though and yep. he's still he's still trying to dig his way into this team and that, like you say, actually, you can start to see maybe this reason why we're waiting six, seven weeks for the player to come back is it's maybe because, yes, they might be fit to play football but they're not fit, they're not at the level that Ange's wanting yet. Yep. Maybe that's, there's something in that. That, that, I think is 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 true because you've seen it with Jakimakis. Now he's paid money for him, mm-hmm. but still went not. Mm-hmm. He's not ready. He's not the standard I need. And he does. He does. He, he, to me, he looked in pretty good shape. Yeah, I um, thought so. He looks in great shape, and he said you know, himself, he's feeling fit uh-huh. and he feels ready to, to play his part. We noticed that way with Ajeti pre-season as yeah, well, yeah. and very quickly Ajeti seemed to come back a, a lot better shape. Obviously, it's not helped him move any quicker. <laughs> um, but the, I just think. There is a return to standards Good. at yeah. Celtic Park now, and who knows if that will be fruitful this season. But do you know what? I'm 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 willing just to, to see it through because Aye. I think these are the building blocks we need to put in place to get us back to where we were. Yeah, and if all you are as a football team is fit and strong and powerful and energetic, above all else, you're going to do pretty well more often than not. I'd like to stay on the Mikey Johnson thing just very briefly, and I completely agree with you. You know, it's us three won't often agree, and you know something wholeheartedly but the amount of voices I hear I've spoke to folk and I've seen you know turns out Twitter's not full of reasonable comment but I've seen so much so much chat on Twitter you know for example if something's mentioned about Mikey Johnson last few months ah chocolate made a glass blah 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 I'm thinking 
He's a 22-year-old kid. But, he's one of our players and he's seriously talented. Where's the support for a guy like that? Because he needs the support. But whilst I, I mean, I think it's it's fair to be critical of his, his injury record because it's, it's happened too often. But then, if you take a step back from it, he's the type of player who's going to attract attention from opposition defenders. What that means, you know, as, as formerly a tricky winger myself, you know, <laughs> you, you've got to get the, the studs into the ankle and all, all those types of things. It, it's, it's not a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. So, there is an element of patience required, especially a younger player. I, I just think he has shown enough for Celtic fans to be excited about what he could produce on a more consistent basis. But as we know, um, Celtic fans seem to differ in opinion on a lot of things. Um, and, and Johnson is one of those divisive figures, as is unbelievably James Forrest. I mean, I know yeah. some guys, um, I know some guys that don't don't really rate him. Um, Moving but, on to the next topic, <laughs> um, but it's, it, it just seems it just seems to be one of those things. And I think Scottish football fans in general seem to prefer players with a bit of dig than somebody that's a bit more skillful. Yeah. I think there's always a mistrust or a distrust, should I say, of someone who appears to be more skillful than a working hard. And with that comes that, well, you know, Paddy's a example I gave earlier on there, somebody that knows the league, somebody that's, you know, got to do it in a cold December night at Stoke. McDermott Park. <laughs> you know, all that kind of thing. But, Johnston, for me, has done enough in the times he's been in the first team to say, right, he's worth persevering with, mm-hmm. he's worth getting him fit, and he's worth a place in the squad. Yeah, definitely. Fingers crossed that he can stay clear of injury because there's a serious talent there and hopefully he's going to do very well for us in the years ahead. Um, just in terms of going back to Saturday's game, so from St. Johnson's point of view, they obviously, Paddy, as you said, at times they can... You know, the fact they've won both Cups last year shows they've got something in the locker. They've not had such a good time this season. I think they're sitting around about 8th or ninth. Um, but they, they, they did, they brought very little to the game. I, I've got a photo, which I'll share on Twitter, that I took at the game, showing the two banks of five. Like, you could see Joe Hart in the picture near our halfway line. And Turning into an analyst, Tino, eh? That's what I'm doing with. I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> Tino analytics. And, uh, and all, every single man well behind the ball. And it was clear they were just setting up with that that in mind. And that's up to them. They've got every right to do that if they want to you know, come to Celtic Park and play for the draw or whatever. Um, and from our point of view, to win leagues, you need to find a way, don't you? And, and that's what we've managed to do. I mean, I've described it as a, a comfortable one. You lads are both there, I'm sure. Did you think yeah. otherwise at all? No, no, no. I, do you know what? See if, see if your games are going to be like that for 38 games. Take them. You, you still yeah. win the league at the end of it. Yeah. You know? I, it was comfortable to a, a degree. I think what made it uncomfortable was the fact it was only 1 0 when it should probably have been more. Um, and the longer it stays 1 0, you know, that's just suiting St. Johnson down to a tee because then they can start to go long. Um, they've got Kane up front. At times I thought it was Kane for the wrestling, to be fair, but. Um, <laughs> You know, he he is a good option. He, he seems to have really, in the past few years, I mean, he'd been at St. Johnson for years and never really seemed to play that mm. often, but he seems to have really cemented his place in the team and and is becoming a more more of a focal point for them. So you, if you go into the latter stages of the game, you start going long. I think they've got Big May coming off the bench as well, you know, mm. another big lamppost. So you, you look at those those things, by getting the second goal, you, you remove that sort of, you know, that, that possibility happening. So I, I, I just think it was more getting kind of nervy getting into the eight minutes. You know, it just takes one slip. Um, we've got a keeper that likes doing a wee 
a wee step term. over in the six yard and stuff yeah. like that you know big Starfield doesn't mind a wee short back pass either so with, with those things possible happening you want to just get the game done and dusted and it was it was a it was a relief um, when we got the penalty. Although I think we should have had one before because I think yes. anywhere else in the park, if you just grab somebody and shove them out the way to get get to the ball, yeah. like physically put two hands on them and shove them away, you you get a foul. Um, I don't see why Clark wasn't penalised for. That. I know it would be deemed as soft, but you you can't do what he done. And the I, I think it was the the linesman that said seen it, and they were just like, All right, you know, play on. But I don't think Jota helped me. The two arms going up and spinning round. I think that might have, yeah, might have just played the, into the, the referee's thing. Although these, he, he doesn't regard a, a swift kick to the nads as a, as a red card, so yeah. what chances he got a wee push? We'll cover that in a wee second. <laughs> but yeah, as you say, these wee decisions all across the park can break up your momentum. And 2-0, you know, could have been a bit more comfy earlier in the game. But ultimately, we've gone and, and done the job and that's the main thing. As you say, Paddy, I'll take 2-0 wins from here to whenever, if it means winning league titles. Um, not sure if you lads have seen this clip just yet, but... Ange held off on doing his post-match press conference so that he and Callum McGregor can go and spend some time with a, a fan at the side of the park who's unwell at the moment. Did you see the... Yeah, seen, seen it. Seen real it. classy touch. Kind of thing we've come to expect from Ange and McGregor and, and really great to see. Um, so that, that was just a nice thing to to deem that as more important than the post-match. The post-match would wait. Uh, we'll share this uh, clip on Twitter as well, but it was, you know, just real touch of class from Ange. So let's hear from Ange now with some of his post-match comments. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you know, in these kind of games... Um, you need to take your chances because uh, you know you're not going to get a lot of them. There's not going to be a lot of space, particularly in and around the box with the way they play. So it was never going to be a, <coughs> a game where we could sort of open them up. And uh, as you said, uh, you know, a bit of a lucky bounce. But uh, the stuff we work on, um, you know, Anthony being in those areas, getting a first-time ball across and... Yeah, Jacko's there to do the job. So, Ange's giving real credit there to Jacko, as he's calling Jacko Marcus, so that'll be uh, what we'll go with for our new number seven from the <laughs> on in. Uh, in addition to that, um, we should maybe have touched on it just earlier, there's also talk around for a, a new deal for Tony Ralston. Is that well-deserved, Paddy, or, or should we be looking to upgrade for that position in the longer term? I think I think it's well-deserved on what he's given us in the, the first the first couple of months of this season. Um, I still don't know if he's going to be the the, the, the first choice right back, but then there, there's a lot of rotation within the team um, that he's, he's definitely earned the position as a squad player, I think. Um, but for me, um, I still think he's lacking in the ability, um, but my God, he, he gives 110% with everywhere else. Yeah, it's. I think it's clear that when everyone is fit and available, Juranovic will be the, the first choice right back, but it's also going to be very hard to drop Ralston at this moment in time because he's done very little wrong. Yeah, in terms of a new deal, he's absolutely earned it because I, I, I think it'd be fair to say Ange Ball would have struggled to get off the ground without Ralston because he carried out Ange's instructions to a T, mm -hmm. has also found the required improvement within his game to be able to play more consistently as a first team player for Celtic, something mm -hmm. that he couldn't achieve on loan at St Johnson, something that he couldn't achieve on loan at Dundee United. So I think you have to really take your hat off to him to show the the kind of mental strength that he has when he probably thought he was going to be getting ushered out the door to come back, take the year extension, stay, fight. And, you know, he was on a hide into nothing. Mm -hmm. yep. And he's and he's came through it. So absolutely earned his new deal. Um to go back to the cup of Ange, I think I'm in love. <laughs> He's he's called it perfectly though, like talking about that what a guy. the deflection for the first goal and the way the ball bounces. Right, good teams are in the right positions, you know, and and it's something like you learn obviously by play, playing football. You always wonder how they were that they were getting every setting ball. It's because they know where to be, and yeah, we, we got it, and that's that's how we got our goal. 
Yeah. So we play St. Johnson again in the League Cup semi-final at Hamden on 20th November, so not too long from now. Question is, after his nonsense on Saturday, should Chris Kane seriously consider phoning in sick that day rather than coming up against Carter Vickers again? <laughs> I, I, that is just, I don't know. The ref sees it. I, I, everything about it is just wrong. The fact he already has, he's seen that and has the yellow card in his hand when he's clearly just volleyed him. Because the ball's between Carter Vickers. Like now, you yeah, can see the ball's yeah. at his feet and he's just volleyed him in, let's be generous here, the midsection. Yeah. Right? And... Very PC. It's just for me, absolute. The ref was just a coward. So the chat is from uh, Gordon Duncan on Super Scoreboard on Saturday was saying that Apparently that's what refs are instructed to do in these kind of melees when it all breaks out. Just give a yellow to one for each player and that balances it off. So Carter Vickers is A, fouled, B, kicked in the midsection, as you say, Miff, and then Kane raises his hands. It's a yeah. kind of slap, slash, push, slash, whatever. He still committed the, the but he's action. lifted his hands. Yeah. He could probably have picked up three yellow cards if we're being kind to him. But yeah, Carter Vickers, for receiving all this punishment, takes a yellow and Kane gets a yellow and we all move on. How can that be the standard of refereeing in this country? See, everything you've just said, all Carter Vickers has done is effectively stand up. And he hit Kane's we, hand with his face. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what he's getting for. Exactly. It's just a, it's, it's a lazy out for a referee. Right? Because I understand there's a lot of things going on, a lot of bodies around, but between him and his, well, his other officials, but, they've got to get that. you also need to remember in, in this particular instance, and I don't want to harp on about it too much, but... He's already come with the yellow card and then sees a subsequent incident after that, but mm-hmm. then still dishes out the yellow that he was already going to give him for the incident he'd seen before that. Yeah. So, what are you doing? I, I think Coward's very lenient for him, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Paddy's getting stronger. <laughs> I'm getting stronger. <laughs> but also from, from Celtic's point of view, the time to raise these issues are when you're winning, because it just comes across as sour grapes if you drop points there on Saturday. Mm. But, so, talking sake, uh, Carter Rickers picks up his yellow, and five minutes later, somebody's maybe through on goal, and he's not quite last man, but he trips him. Second yellow, you're off, and all of a sudden you're maybe, Aye. you know, conceding points, and, you know, it just... It doesn't work in terms of the standard of ref- refereeing here. And I don't I don't know or really care too much if Nick Welsh is biased against Celtic. He's just poor and it could cost us. There's a lot of chat though about the amount of referees that you're wondering. Are they just rubbish referees or there, is there that bias? Uh, a few of us were talking about Colin at uh, Motherwell. Um, I just think he's a rubbish ref. I think he's really poor at it. I don't mm. know how he's managed to get to some of the levels he's got to within European football. But then you always seem to hear... Oh, Willie Collum had a bit of a disaster last night. Yeah. We just have really bad referees as well. But I, I'm, I'm with you on Walsh. I, I'm, I'm not sure about it all. I don't really like going down that. I don't like thinking it, um, it's a bias. I hate thinking about that because I still think we just go out and win. But that's blatant. That's a red card. As you've also got to keep in mind there's a you know 99% chance there's a £40 million Champions League bounty at the end of this season for whoever wins. So... There's yeah. a lot at stake and I just wonder, I'm the same, but I don't want to get down the moon howling stuff and the conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's just some questionable decisions going on. Let's just leave it at that for now. Um, moving on, you know, moving away from Saturday's game, I'd want to touch on a few journalists who now seem to be changing their tune on Celtic and specifically on Ange. So in the last week or so, we've heard uh, a few of them, such as Hugh Keevans, Charlie Nicholas. I don't know if we're calling him a journalist these days, but we'll, <laughs> no, we'll leave that no. as But they're changing their tune on Ange and then some. Uh, Keevans had an article, maybe a few few games into Ange's reign, suggesting that Ange stood for absolutely not good enough. That is just cheap and 
pathetic. That's the barrel stuff. Yeah. Uh, he'd barely taken a competitive league game at that point and certainly hadn't finished his, his summer signings. Uh, and Taylor Nicholas, he was equally quick to write him off. And I suppose for these guys, it's all for headlines and clickbait and whatever else. But it's been really poor and, and there's been a bit of a climb down as, as Angie started to, you know, make his mark and, and turn things around. Likewise, I don't know if you've seen the headline. Um, it was doing the rounds on Sunday from Douglas Alexander of the Times. Oh, f- yes. Celtic toil to get the job done, right? 2-0, as I said, nearly 80% possession, zero shots on target by St. Johnson, blah, blah, blah. So, Paddy, I mentioned conspiracy theories, but <laughs> is there still a narrative from some in the mainstream Scottish media to put that pressure on Ange before he's even had a, a fair crack at it? But like you say, it's an important season, isn't it? Um, a lot of money up for grabs if if things go the way that they do. Um, you, we, we kind of spoke about this last week as regards uh, the Mark Warburton stuff when he spoke in that interview yeah. um, about what he was kind of told when he was coming up here and, and explained like there's a good guy and a bad guy when actually it's your Celtic and Rangers manager and that's it. For me, I'm not surprised at any of this. I like the fact that he was called out quite a bit on Twitter yeah. um, and people actually were pr- providing this information about the stats of the game. He tried to double down on it though, the guy, um, basically saying, oh, I've got... Don't back down, double, double down. down. Double uh, down. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's, uh, yeah, he's he's still standing by his view, his description of the game. He then started to speak about how he, he can't be bothered with uh, both sides having a go at him and he's not even a, Cel- a Celtic Rangers fan. Doesn't matter. The article was a load of rubbish. It wasn't a toil and performance at all, mm-hmm. um, and not a whim of any of that. After after Rangers toiled at St Mirren yesterday. Yeah, I was going to try and dig out his article on that, but I didn't see anything. Um, he also another this really matters, but he also co-wrote Davy Weir's biography and somebody else, I think. So, which is fine. You know, people will be Celtic fans, people will be Rangers fans. That's absolutely fine. But show balance, and yeah. that's all you're asking for. If you're going to be writing about, you know, one or the other, just give a fair reflection on what that game was. That's his job. His job is to report on that game and to say that Celtic are toiling. And listen, I know he'll say, oh, we don't do the headlines, that's a sub-editor and all that stuff. His name is on that article, and I just think it's really poor. The Times still wanting a subscription fee as well. Ah, yeah, so, so people have screen-grabbed it because nobody's paying the <laughs> pound a month or whatever it is they're asking for. But yeah, it's just, it's just negative for negative sake when it comes to Angie and Celtic. So I hope... More and more do the U-turn that Keevans and Charlie Nicholas seem to have done and, and start to give the guy the credit that he's due. On that, I hope they don't because the more <laughs> they do that, it makes Ange angry and we win. He, so. like, he likes being angry, doesn't <laughs> uh, he? He does, he does. His favourite bit. <laughs> uh, Miff, you've expressed your uh, undying love for the man uh, a few moments ago. So from a fan base point of view, where do you think the Celtic support currently are in terms of how they feel about Ange? It just purely depends on the, on the result. I think that's how most fans seem to judge things. Those who are calling them a stooge or a yes man have all went very quiet because Celtic are winning. Next time they drop points, they'll come back again. Mm. That's just the nature of the beast. Um, a lot of the fan base don't really have any time for giving it time. They just want instant results, which is very like modern culture. You know, instant gratification, pick up your phone, get something delivered to you straight away, get news fed to you straight away. They want results straight away. There's no concept of building a team, building a squad, building an ethos, getting everybody fit. That just doesn't exist. So people will be that way inclined. What I would like to think is that Ange has shown he has an ability to build a cohesive squad fairly quickly because I think we're seeing the fruits of that particular labour. But also um, we we have someone who is a, a genuine figurehead. He's willing to stand up for the club. He's taking on the media. He's stuck up for us. He's been 
fairly pragmatic and realistic when he's been speaking after games. That's all we want. You know, remember last season we were getting told we were playing well and we weren't. <laughs> you yeah. know, that this is a guy who knows exactly where we are at, 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 in, in the process that he's been brought in to kind of achieve or, or the, the, the team that he's been trying to build. So for me, I'd, I'd, I just would love the fans to be more realistic of, of where we're at. A few wins in the road doesn't mask that the same as a couple of defeats did either. It's just part of a, a building process that we're going through. There'll be some good, there'll be some bad, there'll be some in the middle. It's just it's just the way that it is. But I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying going to see Celtic. I'm enjoying watching the new players that were brought in. You know, to go back to the Ferns Farrells game, the first goal that we scored in that game is as good a goal and as memorable a goal as we've scored in, in many a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fijot's pass to Kyogo's movement touching and, and finish so you know th- th- those wee things the fact that you're getting that feel good factor mm-hmm. about, about the team about the squad it becomes infectious and I just hope more of us get carried along with that because as you know a, a full Celtic Park roaring the team on as we suspected would be the case um, earlier in pre-season it has such a galvanising effect in the squad um, you know Jota coming in he seems to be a really big personality as well yeah. and I'd imagine having a guy like him in and around the squad along with Kyogo as well you know just the right type of character seem to be coming into the team and, and as well I, I, I don't know how often he's, he's, he's been mentioned I didn't hear him mentioned in the post-match but Joe Hart is, is somebody who's clearly feeling valued as a leader within the squad mm-hmm. Paddy in a few episodes back said that he maybe tried to be like that in, in places like Tottenham and Burnley where there was already established Premier League players and mm-hmm. they were just like right on your way mate um, you know, baldy guy that's done a head and shoulders advert, it's a bit stupid, but <laughs> he's come up to Scotland and you can see that he's bought into Ange, Ange has bought into him and he, he's just taking on that sort of leadership role. I, I, I love it. You're not- I absolutely love it. You're noticing the small things we have, even the likes on Instagram, social media, everything's Celtic and it's like, uh, it's good exposure for us as well, you know. It's it's um, but it, it, he's really really embraced it. Um, I have I was a big doubter of Joe Hart when we signed him. Um, I kind of thought, you know, a lot is still in his head for the kind of the clubs he's been to since City and some of the mistakes he's made with City, England, and the teams that he'd went to. And I was quite you know doubtful about you know what what kind of Joe Hart we were going to get. But my God, the the commitments there, the determinations yeah. there, and some of the saves have been brilliant for us. I'm the same, Paddy. I had my reservations about it. Um, but I think what we've seen is he's he's seriously matured as a guy. You know, you've seen some carry on the Man City time, and I don't know what he was kind of early to mid twenties, and he was a bit cocky and just yeah. but arrogant. England's number one, and he, he thought he'd kind of had it made. I think he's had a bit of a kind of I don't know epiphany type thing going on in the last 12, 24 months, where all of a sudden he'd fallen out of love with football when it wasn't for him and he was considering his options. And he's, you know, he's spoken about this in the last week or so and you spoke to him personally, told him, listen, you know, I don't need to do videos and research on you. I know what you like as a character. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I want from you and this is what I expect. And all of a sudden, it's perfect. And I don't think, it, as you say, Miff, we can't underestimate the impact he's had because at any level of football, you can have everything going right with the 10 outfield players. But if you don't have a solid pair of hands behind you and a vocal leader behind mm-hmm. you as well, might I add, then you're not going to go very far. And I think we've, we've landed on our feet with that one. I think a good goalkeeper as well, you need to be eccentric. And I think he's he lives up to that very nice. well. He's about there as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that you need that. Yeah. Just to go back as well, um, to, to the you know, Ange speaking in the press and, and, you know, 
fighting our corner as such on various fronts. I think that's really refreshing. And I wonder as well if that has now started to filter through to the players in terms of doing the park stuff, because as you rightfully mentioned, Ralston um, certainly seemed at the forefront of things like that against Fernsvaros when I think Kyogo got a bad fill against him in the halfway line. First half, he was all over it and a few guys there. When Carter Vickers, I said he's nonsense with Chris Kane there uh, on Saturday, I think almost every Celtic player yep. to a man was there. Mm-hmm. And listen, that's not to confuse that with thuggish behaviour. You know, don't no. go in and have the swing in the arms and no, grab by the throat. Don't be stupid. But, but first and foremost, go in and protect your teammate. And that's yeah. what they were doing. They were getting in front of him, you know, being a being a teammate alongside him and just protecting big, the guy. Big Rogic was among <laughs> I first him in there, there as well, who is a big lad. I mean, Big yeah, Rogic yeah, yeah. is a big, big lad. He is. So it's good to see because it shows that that team spirit's there and that camaraderie and, you know, the players are walking, you know, doing the lap of honour after every game and, Ange comes out and kind of stands in his own wee area in the centre circle. But these may seem like small things, as you say, Paddy, but they all add up to the bigger picture and the just the, the, the spirit that's within the camp now. So yeah. really refreshing to see that. So obviously um, another important week ahead, like, I suppose like all weeks at Celtic just now. So a couple of fixtures. We've got Hibs at Easter Road on Wednesday, 7.45 kickoff. I think it's been announced that that's available on Hibs pay-per-view as well. Which is a shambles with Skype. Uh, well, absolutely. So you've got Hibs uh, on Wednesday. Rangers also play Aberdeen on Wednesday. A couple of really big games, really tasty ones, ones to look forward to. And not one of those games have been taken up by Sky. You can watch Preston v Liverpool, but in three channels. Aye, in the Carabao Cup. So <laughs> uh, take your pick. So Preston or Hibs on the pay-per-view. Um, we've also got Livingston at Celtic Park on Saturday, and that's a three o'clock kickoff. So as mentioned, huge week ahead. But these are the kind of games that you really need to be taking. I would say at least four points, if not all six, if you want to be competing for titles. Absolutely, it's the same. The Hibs fixture is a, is a tough one. And again, like the fixtures that went before, the Livingston um, away, you know, so Ibrox, obviously. Easter Road's not a place where we've been terribly successful. I think um, we've not won in seven visits, Miff. We won in the cup game, um, but in the league, it's not been a happy hunting ground for us. So again, I'm just looking to break a run that precedes his time at the club and I think I suppose what I'm going to say is if, if, if we don't want it's not going to be the end of the world because it's no. not something we've been doing readily even in seasons where we've been winning the league so um, no if we go there if we manage to get three points that'd be a huge three points getting into the kind of busy winter period that, that, well, that we're really kind of in the midst of the now because you've got the Europa games coming thick and fast and you've got the the semi for the, the, the League Cup as well then you get into that kind of run of games in, in December that's always a, a bit mad um, so it, it's, a, it's a big game it's a big game if, yeah. if you come out of this these two games with six points then we'll be sitting we'll, we'll be sitting fairly pretty I think I'm on record the same as for within 10 points come the turn of the year I'd regard that as a success mm-hmm. and I, I think you know I would say being four points off this many games in we're probably ahead of schedule yeah do you agree with that buddy? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agreed with what Myth was meaning. Uh, Myth was meaning when he was saying about obviously where we, we should be. I still kind of think that the way we're going now, we could be top. We really could. Could, could you call Myth Myth? I did, I. Uh, I didn't mean it, but it could be a new nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can, what I can confirm is I've been called a hell of a lot worse. Well, there you go. Um, one of the things for us we've got to remember, um, this is a, a hard game, as, as you guys have just said there, but for me, it's a... I don't know, it's a different feel about it now. It's it's a new manager, all of that rubbish that's happened previous. Get that to the back of our heads. They've lost their last two games and they've just lost out in McGregor as well. Uh, suspended. Point, uh, suspended, so it's in our favour. Well, uh, just on that point, Hibs have an offy habit of being absolutely rotten and then playing well against us. 
they've they've done that right a few times or the past. And that's up to us to deal with that, isn't it? No, no, yeah. absolutely. But what, what I'm saying is that Easter Road is particularly really playing against us really seems to galvanise them. Yeah. Paddy, you mentioned last week you were maybe going. Are you heading along? Yeah, going. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, take it. Go ahead, take it. It's definitely, there's always one to look forward to Easter Road. And regardless of form, as, as you were saying, they're, my, they're, a, they're a tough side. They've, they've got some good players. They're just not at their best just now. But from their point of view, they're thinking, you know, there's no better time to switch the form back on than Celtic on a Wednesday. It's a, it's a great fixture. It really is. It's a, I, love, I love going up to Easter Road and when the floodlights are on. It'll be a, it will be a difficult game, not taking that away. But I just think. Don't know. There's a lot of we spoke about the eight players that were part of that team on Saturday. They've mm-hmm. not. They don't know about this hips thing. Yeah, so true. get them in. Go and get the three points. Yeah. And on that very note, uh, my what changes do you think we might see? So will Jacko retain his place? Will Juranovic go to right back? Will Mikey Johnson get the nod? I, I think the right back thing depends on who's available for left. So I wonder if Ralston is probably ideal suited though. He he does know what going to East Road's all about, and I actually think it might not be the time to change that just yet. I would say the the main threat for Hibs comes with Boyle. Mm. So the experience of Juranovic in the in the left might count for something. Yeah, maybe um, a, a tall order for Montgomery. Might, might count him. for something. So that would mean Monty, as uh, Angela used to call him, might, might not come in. So who have we got? Monty. Bolly. Jack, do, who's do, other? Do Barky, we? we've got Barky. That was another Barky, one. That was, and what was the one for? Is it Jacko? Jacko. Jacko. Love it. Loves love it. Name. Love it. Right, that's it. Write that down, Tino. Um, <laughs> so I would say that that will probably be the deciding factor. I think you're having to stay at left back on the basis that if we're playing against Boyle, I don't think he'll want to expose Montgomery, um, which would mean Ralston keep his place at right back. Up front, I think Kyogo will stay through the middle, and I think we'll see Johnson. I, I think, I we'll, think, see, we'll, I think see we'll see Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, so Johnson out wide in place mm-hmm. of a badder. Same, same midfield. I can't see the midfield. Although he, he, he may be tempted to go for, for Beaton. Yeah. He may be tempted to put Beaton in there. What it does do is it gives you it gives you a plan B. So it means if that, you know, that what you've suggested maybe is a pretty strong start lineup for me. But if it's not going to plan, you've got certainly, you know, Jack Amakis is one, you know, big option if you want to change the route and go a bit more direct. But there's creatives on the bench all of a sudden as well. So we've not mentioned the badder either. I know. No, we haven't. We haven't. And actually, I'm, I'm kind of glad to see him get a bit of a rest just now. Um, I think he's maybe just played too much and he's starting to kind of frustrate himself a wee bit. So this will do him the world of good, I think. We asked a lot of him early doors yeah. and, he, and he produced, he to did. be fair he to did. him. Um, I think the only, the only game he probably was a bit of a letdown was at Ibrox. I thought he, he, just, he just was really ineffective that day. But again, the team as a whole weren't, weren't great. They weren't, they weren't awful, but they, they weren't great. I think he just was was a bit isolated, he didn't really get into the game. Yeah, that, this isn't, a, I'm not having a go at Ralston here, but I think anyone that's on the right wing with Ralston try to serve them, It's you're not always going to get the service. That's yeah. that's maybe my, my small issue there. It's just the way it goes, there's no yeah, doubt just, he's, just for now. his strength aren't in a creative position. Mm-hmm. You know, Ralston's a, you know, defence-minded and he's powerful and he's, he's you know, eager in the tackle and all that stuff. But going forward, we see from his crosses and sometimes he's, Slightly wayward passes that it's not his game. Gets into very good positions though. I have to say that he's one of a lot well, of corners with the he bad has crosses. Actually, yeah, he kind of seems to take that route down the right when it's a bit busy and yeah. cracks it off the guy, and we've, we've got a set piece. But yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we'll see too many changes, um, but I think will probably be the case with the Jack Amakis drops out, and that does leave Ange with you know the likes of a bad on the bench, the likes of uh, maybe Mikey Johnson whether he starts or not. But all of a sudden, it is good just to have these options, isn't it? Because in previous games. 
a lot of the games this season, they just came too soon. You know, it's little wonder we lost out against Meacheland and couldn't quite go over the lane at Ibrox and different things. But now we're a different animal. If we win this on Wednesday, we've won three quarters of the opening 11 fixtures. That's not bad. Good it's math, not bad. Buddy. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so want to look forward well to educated. Want to look forward <laughs> to on Wednesday and hopefully Celtic get the three points and then crack on to Livingston on Saturday. Uh, as we start to close out the show for today, I want to pay special mention to Wim Janssen, who this week revealed that he's living with dementia. Now 75 years of age, he's most famous in Glasgow, of course, as being the man who stopped the 10 back in 1998, but he also had an impressive CV before that. He played for the Feyenoord side, who beat Celtic in the 1970 European Cup final, and also played with the Netherlands in two World Cup finals in 1974 and 1978. Although he only spent that one season with us here, that was enough to earn him legendary status and our thoughts, as well as that of the wider Celtic support, I'm sure, are with him and his family at this time. Paddy, you're still claiming to be a wee bit young to fully remember the 97-98 season, <laughs> but Miff, you're definitely not. So what's your recollections from those times under Wim Janssen and particularly that dramatic final day win over St Johnson? Oh, well, I mean, the the nerves um, leading into that because being named um, I think what was 18 at the time uh, we Miff was ready to party when we were <laughs> playing down Fernland the week before Yeah, I was ready to rock yep. <laughs> and then Jonathan Gould decided to just flounder about at the back post can you and, remember um, Dunfermline's uh, score of that found, time found Craig was it Fountainbridge or F- Craig Falkenbridge, Falkenbridge. I'll never Bridge. forget it uh, Falkenbridge I thought we'd um, blown up Simon Dornley scored for Celtic I was going for Fountainbridge but somewhere in Edinburgh so um I remember how desolate I felt after that and I thought, oh no, here we go. And then Larson scoring that goal so early actually made it, it was quite a strange feeling. And then I think Georgia Boyle put one over the bar. He did. Put one over the bar, went went no long to go at 1-0. And I was a huge fan of Harold Bratback. Huge fan. And he took a lot of stick that season because he had yeah. missed. I mean, he scored a, a, a power of goals, but see yeah. the amount of chances he'd missed as well. Mm-hmm. But really basic chances like tap-ins. Um, so I was absolutely delighted when he scored. Delighted with Henrik's reaction, which actually makes such a great picture when you see that picture of yeah. Henrik's on, on his back, like just right, pointing point point down yeah, him. Yeah, it's yeah. just such a an amazing image. Um, and I can remember, one, one of the things I can remember, at 1-0, um, I, I wasn't at the game I was playing football that day and then I was going over to um, the Railway Tavern in Motherwell which is the Celtic pub <laughs> um, the Celtic pub so I hello to my fan Johnny Rafferty by the way um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the I was going over to the Railway Tavern and I was listening to commentary and I can remember Davy Proven saying Celtic are emotional cripples Right, I can always remember that. That's spot on. Right, I can always remember that because it was like one nil, and I don't think they could play a five yard pass because they were just like, yeah. oh no, what if we lose this? Because I think Rangers were winning at Tannadice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just that, 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 that always sticks in my head. As soon as the final whistle went, I ran over to the tavern, all my mates were in there. It was just amazing. And then big golf up in the telly. Oh, I'd just like to congratulate Celtic. Oh, get it up, you big man. <laughs> get it right up, you. I've had Brilliant. to watch you for nine years. Yeah. Get it right up, you man. Brilliant. So, uh, what, what, uh, the, the, the joy that Wim Janssen brought to Celtic, and, and it was all too short because yeah. as soon as he done, and, and remember, we we had um, we'd lost to Terry Rovers in the League Cup. He won his League Cup as well against mm-hmm. United. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he really restored just this. We really believed um, very quickly in that season that we could do something because it was quite a, it was quite a topsy turvy season. But the the fact that, that Wim Janssen was was only Celtic manager for one season, the absolute joy and how important he is in our history yeah. should never ever be understated. And it just shows you these these things happen. You know, a, a Dutch guy with no previous connection to Celtic came, signed Henry Larson, which then set the foundations for us for the next, you know, 10 years. Uh, yeah. And, it, you know, he, he was just such a pivotal character and a pivotal um, figure in, in Celtic's history. So the, the news, was it was pretty sickening to hear that news, you know, and, and unfortunately it seems to be coming all too familiar with ex-football players that they seem to be suffering for this horrible, horrible disease. Um and just my, my thoughts go, go out to his family and I'm sure the, the, the Celtic fans as a whole will just be just be praying for him. Yeah, great great words, Miff, and very heartfelt and obviously great emotions when you think back to those uh, great times. Oh, it will never leave you. Never yeah. leave you. And as you say, it's only, it was only one season. It was just a shame that, you know, we never get more out of it. But as you say, we'll now look back so fondly on, on those 12 months or so in charge. I suppose as well, it also shows that he was, you know, a man of principle. He mm-hmm. clearly didn't go on with Jock Brown, I think, and, and uh, Fergus McCann at the time. And he saw fit as a guy to move on. You know, things weren't right for him and rather stay and, you know, mess about and maybe sell himself short. He's walked away at a time when his stock was incredibly high. So, yeah, definitely, you know, thoughts with him and his family. Paddy, you know, spoke a bit about earlier on just, you were obviously you know, a young man at the time, but do yeah. you have memories of those times? I do. Um, I, I remember the season very well, actually. Um, I'll never forget the game you're talking about against Infermline. I'll give you a wee quiz, quick question on that. Who was the goalkeeper for Infermline that day? Um, Marco. Rittenbeek. Yep. Well Oof, done. There that. you go. Um, you always used to be a tracky ball. that's right. <laughs> um, but the that season for us, obviously, I mean, I was in a household with all my brothers and um, my, my dad and, and my sisters as well. So all Celtic daft. It was pivotal. Um, the game actually fell on the same day I made my, my first communion. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a great day. Uh, I was then also given the option of, after the mass by my dad, there's everyone having a party for you at this house or do you want to go to the game? So I went to the game. Good I had, I had my, kilt, my kilt on. I was on the park at the end of it. I've still got a bit of turf, which is oh, in, in the back garden. So it's uh, it's still grown away as well. As, you know, I'll never forget those moments. And that was, uh, I got sneaked in. I think it was sitting in one of the lounges. I got sneaked in and I had to stand <laughs> for brilliant. 90 minutes. Didn't care. Yeah. Was, oh, brilliant. You never forget that. And uh, the amount of people and get, Good honest Celtic fans, the amount of people were giving me money because it was my communion as well. Uh, <laughs> and my, then my dad took me into the pub, so he didn't have to, <laughs> he didn't have to buy a pint that night as well. Uh, but we can't forget when he also gave us Henrik Larson as well. Yeah. And I'll be always thankful for that, Mr. Jansen. Thank you. Yeah, I've got my own great memories from that day as well. So like everybody, just seriously clamouring for a ticket pre-match. And myself and a mate of mine, uh, Chris, Chris McLaughlin, raking about, making all the phone calls, phone supporters, buses and pubs and all sorts of stuff and no joy. But my dad and my Uncle James had, had both managed to get tickets. And the night before the game, my dad said, listen, I've seen Celtic win many leagues over the years. You can have the ticket ah, and go with Uncle James, amazing. which was brilliant. Went with James, had a great day. My only regret, if I can call it a regret, was I was in the top tier <laughs> and I couldn't get to join oh. you and various others on the park after the game. But a brilliant memory. My dad and, and Chris had mentioned, they, they were outside, they were on Kerrydale Street. Tranny, listening to the crowd reaction yeah. and stuff like that. And obviously we all met up after the day, but brilliant memories. And listen, Wim Janssen is as important a part of, you know, of that story as, as anyone else that was playing at the time. So yeah, great memories and, and best wishes to Wim Janssen at this time. Muff, as we start to wrap things up for today, I'm going to put you in the spot and ask for a scoreline prediction for both Hibs and Livy this week and also your final comments at the moment. 
Uh, Hibs 1-0 victory uh, Lovey I'll go 2-0 seeing as that's a popular score for us at the minute yeah. I'll, uh, be, I'll be happy to listen if we come away I, I would even say four points would be acceptable but you, you would want you would want six just to keep the momentum up given that we've you know we've been we've been fairly impressive and efficient um, in, in the past few games so yeah feels like something's building more players returning to the squad just yeah keep up Nice one. Paddy, likewise for yourself, what's, what's your final thoughts at this moment in time on where we stand and, and how do you see those games going this week? Yeah, I'm, I think we're in a good place. I think uh, coming into these games, you know, both both difficult games. Um, I think the Hibs one obviously been the harder one in my opinion. I think 2-1. Um, yeah, I think we, we will come away with a victory. I actually think um, it will have annoyed them what happened uh, at a Tony Macaroni last month and I think yeah. they'll, be, they'll be gunning for for Livingston on Saturday and I'm going 5-0. Oh, I think, I think the part, the Shotgun parts, Paddy. Shotgun Paddy, <laughs> but <laughs> the yeah. part's big enough, quicker than that rubbish artificial stuff they play on. I think we'll overrun them and gub them. Yeah, so you heard it here first, lads. 5-0, <laughs> says Paddy. So the recent run of good form continues with Celtic making it four wins on the spin with that victory versus St. Johnson. Whether they make that 5-6 and six against Hibs and Livy this week is now over to Jacko and Co. And we'll be back with you after both of those games this week to give you our reaction with our final whistle show. Thanks to Miff and Paddy for joining me today and as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. If you're enjoying what we do and want to help us out, please share this week's episode with a couple of friends you think might enjoy it. It really goes a long way to helping us do what we do. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Podcast Network.